in this series. Uh, really glad you're here today. Uh, we're kicking off a brand new series called Normal, and as you can see from the video, uh, our definition of normal shifts dramatically over time. Um, some of what's considered normal in a culture just isn't as impactful, like, you know, if you like discos or roller rinks, I guess that's okay. It may not be normal, but that's not going to really hurt you. Uh, technology, I, I was thinking about this this week, actually yesterday as I was stopped at a stoplight talking to Siri on my phone in the car, I thought, I looked over and I noticed there was somebody next to me, I thought, huh, I wonder what they think about this, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to myself, but not really, you know, they, it's normal now. They know what I'm doing. I'm talking on the phone. At least they're, they're hoping I'm talking on the phone because I'm driving a vehicle that they could really hurt them. Um, but anyway, technology has made all kinds of things normal today that we would have really never dreamed of, that would have seemed odd. You know, we have phone conversations in restaurants and everybody, you know, everybody's listening in. They can hear what's going on. In this series, we're going to talk about Defining normal in a culture, and by normal, I mean morally acceptable. We're going to talk about who should define that, uh, what it is, and, and why we need to get into the Scriptures, really, into the Bible to find out what the Scripture says about normal. So, before we do that, I'd like to take a moment to have a little refresher in sociology. I don't know if you took sociology. I was a I was a behavioral science major in college, and so I took half, half sociology. That doesn't mean anything other than that I had to brush up for this talk as well. <laughs> but anyway, let's look at the meaning of cultural norms. That was norm on the video, and we're talking about norms in this message series. Um, culture is the culmination of ideas, norms, and values that are acceptable in a society. That's textbook definition of, of culture. Cultural norms are commonly accepted expectations for behavior. It's sort of like what people expect for you to do. And, you know, that's why talking to yourself in the car, which is really on the phone, is more normal today. People get that. It makes perfect sense. Wrapped up in this definition of normal in the culture, which is why it's so important, are the values of the culture, which determine what's most important to the people in the society. We're pulled toward a certain set of values. And we are sorting those values as we live life, and our culture is telling us what's most important. What is considered normal in a society, in a culture, impacts that whole culture, everybody in it, the individuals in it, and it, it affects all of us as a whole and as we live out our individual lives in, in many ways. Uh, what's normal tells us how we should relate to each other. It defines our roles in different relational settings. That's one thing it does. What, what we should do, it tells us what we should do in specific situations and how we should behave in different settings. So we're, we're sort of basing it off this definition of normal. Some of us go with the flow. Most people go with the flow of normal. Some people intentionally don't. And uh, sometimes that's good, sometimes not. The way we determine right and wrong flows out of, often, 
our definition of normal that we get from from culture and uh, what's cool and popular is what we aspire to. So th- this is important. What we're talking about is important because we're all in it. We're all in America. We're in this culture. And we're being encouraged to go in a certain direction by the culture around us, as I've defined it here. And the power of a culture can feel like a tidal wave if you ever try to swim against it. It can just overwhelm you. It's a very powerful thing. It's easy to get caught up and swept up in what is normal or what everyone should think or, you know, what they think I should do or how I should talk or whatever. Um, And then then you can sense what is normal as you have conversations or as you just experience life and as you share your own beliefs, your own thoughts, your own practices, if they don't match up with what others think is normal, then you really feel that. Like, for instance, at an Angels game, you know, often around the fifth or sixth inning, they'll start getting a beach ball going at the Angels game. And, you know, what's normal now in the last 15, 20 years is everybody tries to keep the beach ball up in the air. I'm a baseball purist. Okay, I'm there to watch the baseball game. That's not normal in that setting. What I want to do is grab the beach ball and pop it. And then, I, but I've thought this whole thing through. I've been, in the, I've been in the stands and I thought, I want to grab that beach ball and pop it. And then if I do, I'm probably going to cause a riot. I might get beat, I might get beat smithereens, or I'm not sure what's going to happen next. So I've never done that. It's actually, by the grace of God, it's never come close enough to me for me to get the beach ball. So I don't know what would happen. But that's, that's an example of crowd pressure. You know, I'm, in, I'm, I'm gauging what I'm going to do based on what I think is going to happen if I do what I really want to do. <laughs> if I say what I really want to say. That's the power of culture. We, we live in a context here with a bunch of other people who have opinions and who are pulling us in a particular direction. We absorb our culture, or what's normal or morally acceptable, from the media, from education, schooling, from parents, from conversations at work. We, we begin to pick, pick it up. And you may be here today, and yeah, I'm giving a lot of thought to sociology or social and cultural norms. But all of us are greatly impacted by our culture and what it defines as good and moral, or on the other hand, wrong and destructive. This makes a big difference. So this is why we're talking about this. Um, You see the power of culture by looking at what drives uh, who is considered successful um, or cool or whatever within your work culture, among your family and friends. Uh, For adults, uh, the culture is painting a picture of what success looks like, who is considered successful, and um, the culture is also defining what is cool, how to be cool. Um, You know, at my age, many of us have given up on that. You know, (laughs) it doesn't matter what's cool, we've given up on being cool. Um, But especially kids and teens, but also adults to a degree, 
are impacted greatly by what the, the culture considers normal. What's normal, guys? What we wear. You know, when I was in uh, high school, junior high, Levi cords and a hang ten shirt. Man, that was cool. Okay? That's what I wore. That's what I wore. When I got to college, my wife wasn't too sure that was cool when we were dating. A couple shirts she wasn't very fond of. One resembled a Italian tablecloth with the exact replica of an Italian tablecloth with the red and white checkers. Anyway, I digress. Um, anyway, what's normal, guys? What we wear, uh, what we just have to have. We've got to have that shirt. We've got to have that top or whatever. Uh, the movies we watch, music we listen to, attitudes to adopt, and ultimately the values that we absorb by the culture around us. Now, for our purpose in this series, what we're going to look at is the importance of letting God define what's normal in terms of morality. We're going to talk about what, what he says, really, what, why he says it's important for him to be the one to define moral, morally acceptable lifestyles and behaviors. Um, this is crucial because his definition of what's morally acceptable or, or normal actually doesn't ever shift over time. He made us. He designed us. And so his, his idea, he made us to thrive according to his design. And so as you get into the scripture, you find out how God defines normal, and that doesn't change. And so I want to walk through some major assumptions. Here are our major assumptions for this series that I want to mention before we charge on into the rest of this message. First one, God is our maker, and we thrive by living His way according to His design. God set reality in place. He made us to work a certain way. And it's our job to discover his definition. He leaves us the option. We can ignore him. We can live our lives without ever being concerned of what he thinks about normal or morally acceptable behavior. He, 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 he lets us have the freedom to do that, but it's our job to figure out what he says about it. And it's a very important thing. That's why I'm talking about this today. Second assumption is God gave us the Bible to teach us how to live his way according to his design. The Bible contains the principles for life that, that make life good. The Bible is God's word to people, and it's true and real. In other words, he intends for us to live by it, and life doesn't work well when we don't. It's true like the law of gravity. You don't have to believe it, but when you try to defy it, in certain ways, it really hurts. And that's the sense in which the Bible is true. It's, it's very, very real. Uh, you may question the Bible. You may question what God's definition is of normal. And, and that's certainly okay uh, with us. You're, you're welcome here. We want to help you as you uh, investigate these things. My main goal today is to encourage you to get into the Scriptures yourself to find out what they say about these things. And if you haven't yet decided that Jesus is Lord or boss, and you haven't yet decided that the Bible is true, to investigate that, to dig in. Because 
really, our life and the flow of our life depends on these things. They're very, very crucial things. So no matter where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ, we're really glad you're here. And we want to walk with you as you investigate who he is and what it means to follow him. Um, I, I mostly today want to encourage you to wrestle with these things. Don't just go with the flow of the culture on these matters, but, but wrestle with them and, and the things we're talking about because your life, what we're going to find out is your life and the life of your children depend on this. There's a tremendous amount of impact that goes on on what we believe about certain things. So in the Bible, what we see is that God gives the key ingredients for the best way to live. I'm going to read Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. But I want to give you a picture before I read it of what's going on in this passage. God has led the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt. They're, the Hebrews are, are people who are uh, the children of Abraham. And so he's led them out of slavery in Egypt. And he's preparing to move them into their own land. He's decided to give them this land. This promise is hundreds of years old. He promised this land. But he gave time for Abraham's children to grow to a point where they were uh, several million people at this point. So he's led them out of slavery in Egypt. They're, they've been wandering in the wilderness, waiting to get ready to go. There's a long story. I don't have time to tell you about that. But they're, they're preparing to move into their land. And God is getting them ready to be their own country. They haven't been a country before. They haven't, they haven't had a culture because they've been living in Egypt. And so at this point in history, they aren't a nation. And what God is doing through Moses in this speech is he's laying out what it's going to take to create and maintain a culture that blesses everyone in it. So this is very relevant for what we're talking about today. He's, he's, he's laying out very clearly what it's going to take to have a culture that blesses the people in it. And this passage is a part of Moses' farewell speech. He's about to hand the baton off to Joshua, who's going to lead the charge into the promised land, the land of Canaan, which is really an awesome place that God's giving them. And he's urging Israel, what he's doing here is he's urging them to let God define and set the boundaries in life. Let God define normal. And if they will, life will go very well. Listen to this, Deuteronomy 30. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life 
that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice, and holding fast to Him. For He is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. In this instruction, Moses is clear about the key ingredients of a culture that really pleases God. First of all, loving the Lord God. Loving Him. Which, which means giving Him the number one priority in your life and realizing He's the number one factor in blessing or cursing. Secondly, walking in His ways. We live the way He tells us to live. That's crucial. And then keeping His commandments. This is actually, keeping His commandments is proof that you love God. This is sort of all aspects of how to live in a way that pleases God. But if you love God who made us, He's our Maker, to love Him means you're going to do what He says. You want to please Him. You do life His way. Now, we have the freedom to live our own way. God's given us this. But the choice between our way and God's way is clear in this passage. It's the choice between life and good or death and evil. Very, very clear choice. Now, imagine that you're there. You're one of the Israelites, one of the Hebrew people. You're in the wilderness and you're, you're about to move into the promised land, the land of Canaan to become a nation, and you're listening to this speech. Put yourself in that, in that place for a moment. And this is what you're hearing. If, if I let God define and set the boundaries for my life, I'm going to experience His blessing. All right. His favor. I'm, I'm going to have the best kind of life. And not only me, but this is crucial, not only for me, but for my children. My offspring are going to be impacted by the choices I make related to uh, what God is saying about living life. Entire generations are going to experience good and blessed life from the choices that their parents make. And whether or not we live by the way God defines reality. Moses is challenging Israel here. And God is saying to us, because we learn from them, if, if you see and do life daily the way God says to, life and good flows from that. For us and our children. The flip side is that entire generations suffer and shrivel up from the choices that are made when we live in line with our own way and our own way of thinking from a human standpoint. Israel would experience this in their history. You can read about it in the first 17 books of the Bible. Uh, they're, they're up and down. They're in and out. They're choosing their own way. They're going God's way. And based on what their choices were in the moment, they experienced God's blessing or they experienced curse. Um, in Deuteronomy 30, what's happening here is Moses explains that God has put up a fence with his commandments. And uh, by giving his commandments and his statutes and rules, he's, he's given us some boundaries, a fence to live inside of. It's not a block wall. You know, it's not an impenetrable wall where you know, God's not going to give us the freedom to go outside of it. When we try to break through the boundaries that God lays, then we, 
we run against this wall and we get knocked back into his boundaries. No, that's not how it is. It's a fence. And we can tear it down at places. We can break through it. We can scoot it aside and we can just go on. And, and so what you find here is if you love God and walk in his ways, you live inside the fence. Life goes very well. There's blessing there. For you and your offspring, everyone thrives for you and your offspring. If you break through the fence and turn away from God by living outside of it, life doesn't go well. We struggle. This means that it's important to understand God's definition of what's normal and acceptable. This is a crucial thing here. My goal this morning is not to tell you so much what God says is morally acceptable, but encourage you to discover what God says about it. To think this through for yourself. To find out what God says about life and why He says that. Because God's ways are the path to living life the way it's meant to be. This is what you find in Deuteronomy 30. This is the way it is. Now, Christians, by very definition, follow Christ. That's why they were called Christians. Um, it's, it's important to know, where is my leader going to take me? What is he going to do with me? And what Jesus is going to do is he's going to lead his followers to do what the Bible says. Because he wants the best life for us. And it, it's the scripture that shows us the way. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is Jesus' heart for us. He, he wants the best for us. And so, what he's going to do is lead us to live inside the fence of God's commands so that we can really thrive, so that we can live best. So we can, and our children can as well. Jesus taught that the Scriptures are God's words to live by. Um, in fact, He said that if you want to build a sturdy life that can withstand the storms and the troubles and the struggles, uh, you build that life by living according to God's Word, the Bible. By, by living inside the fence. That's the best, most sturdy life you can live. So, if Jesus is our leader uh, and, and we're following Him, what you're saying, if you're investigating what it means to follow Christ, what you're saying is, I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to live by what He said in the Bible. I'm going to live by God's ways in the Word because you can't separate following Christ from following the Bible. They go hand in hand. They're inseparable. If you follow Christ, you follow God's Word, the Bible. The rock-solid foundation to build your thinking and life on is the Bible. Do you know what the Bible says about many of the hot topic issues that, that flare up today, um, that generate most of the emotion and the attention in our culture? Do you know what the Bible says about those things? We've provided a handout that lists some of the, the hottest topics. And I provided it for you. They're not exhaustive. There's not every verse that deals with every one of those topics. But you can go to the Bible yourself. And there's some topics that are kind of hot today that I didn't include because it's, 
to get to pull out of the Bible what the Bible teaches is a little more uh, complex. But those are some basic passages that can get you started in your discovery of what the Bible says about these topics. And I encourage you to take that sheet with you and just read through the ones that you're concerned about. These are the most likely to cause real damage to you and your family. That's why I've included them here. These are critical issues in our culture and in our lives. So, for instance, if you follow Jesus, you need to know what the Bible says about marriage, family life, sexuality. What does the Bible say about protecting life? Things like abortion, euthanasia, capital punishment. There are other issues related to uh, protecting life that I didn't include because, as I said, they're a little more complicated to get into. But it's important to investigate what the Bible says about these matters for yourself because living God's way, living inside the fence, is the number one factor in your own welfare and in the blessing of your offspring. This is critical. There are many issues that, in our culture, are very hot topics. So, when they're discussed openly in uh, the media or in the classroom or in discussions at work, they generate a tremendous amount of emotion. And it's, it can be in our day like a tidal wave that pulls you in a certain direction and really impacts the way you react to what's going on. Uh, especially right now, issues about marriage and family. Uh, the, the tidal wave of mainstream thinking is very powerful and it's very difficult uh, to consider, even consider with an open mind what the Bible says about these things. Uh, and it's even more difficult to try to articulate to others around you what the Bible says about those things. So I want to encourage you to go to the Scriptures and see what God says and try to figure out why He said that. Because If we aren't careful, we can get swept away into thinking and walking in ways that end up causing real damage to our lives. When God gives a command in Scripture, He does so as our maker, our our designer, who knows how we work best. In Genesis, He clearly lays out, I've included the passages there, He clearly lays out the design for family life, male and female, man and woman, who come together as husband and wife and remain faithful for a lifetime. That's His design. What Deuteronomy has said to us is when we bust through the fence there of how God's designed the family, that it causes real damage. It it really hurts us. We create some serious damage. Some of the damage is emotional, some mental, some relational. For instance, an affair. Somebody's made a commitment of vow to, to commit to this person to live with them as husband or wife at, for the rest of their life. They break through that fence. There is some real damage done to the hearts of the people, the man and the woman involved. And it creates long-term issues for them and for their children. This is the kind of thing we're talking about in Deuteronomy 30 here. Um, So, some of the damage is emotional, some of it's mental, relational. The damage is always spiritual in that it affects our relationship with God. Often, the damage is even physical. 
if if you uh, have many sex sexual partners, if you live a promiscuous life, you're likely to get a disease. Uh, a gay lifestyle is becoming more and more acceptable in our culture today. However, practicing gay men experience serious life-threatening illnesses that others do not. And I'm, I'm, not really, I'm not referring to AIDS or HIV. There are other things that the practice causes harm to and creates difficulty. So this is why we need to go into the Bible to see what it says. No matter what the tidal wave of culture is doing or where it's leading us, we need to dig in because what, what God said through Moses in Deuteronomy 30 is true. Life and good or death and evil. God gives us the freedom to choose whatever we want. But what you believe and what you hold as the highest value in your life and in your heart is going to impact your children. It, it's going to pull them powerfully in a certain direction. And so for you and your children, I want to encourage you to get into the Scripture and find out what it says. Dig in there. We're told that we will flourish or not based on our response to God's Word on these things. We, and I, I've seen this. I've pastored for 20, 26 and a half years, and I've seen people who choose God's way. Their life is blessed. They, they step outside the fence. They experience trouble. I'm doing this message this morning, this one and the next one, uh, basically because I, I want you to check out the Bible for yourself on these things. I don't want to tell you what to believe. And, and God really doesn't force you to believe anything. He gives you the choice. So I want to encourage you to dig in. It's crucial for your good, for the good of your children, that you know and live out God's definition of normal. Because the Bible is true and real. It's real like the law of gravity. Many of us hear rumors about what the Bible's stance is on different things, and we never look into it ourselves, so I want to encourage you to do that. We listen to talk radio, we watch TV, uh, we get, get words from newscasts, news programs, or we you know, check out the Grammys, and we develop opinions about these things based on our emotional reactions for or against any, any of these issues. On, on both sides of the issue. We do the same things in classrooms, in the lunchroom at work. And maybe today, as I talked and mentioned some of these things, you, you've had an emotional reaction yourself. The only opinion that really matters is God's opinion. doesn't matter what I think. doesn't really matter what you think. It doesn't matter what main, the culture is saying. The only one that really matters is the one who made us, God himself. And he wants to bless us, but we have to choose to live his way inside the fences that he set up so we can experience the blessing that he wants us to experience. Listen to Deuteronomy 5.29. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. This is God speaking. This is his heart. He wants things to go well with us. And so I wanted to lay this before you today so that uh, you could get into the Scripture yourself or you'd be encouraged to, and if you'd like to, to do so. 
and also to explain why serious Christ followers think the way they do about certain issues. Um, we're convinced that God wants our best. And he's, he's given commands in these areas for our own well-being, along with warnings to avoid unnecessary trouble. So I, I as pastor of this congregation, uh, want to share these things with you and encourage you to dig in. I was watching one time before my mother passed away, I was watching a, a TV preacher one Sunday. She used to watch TV preachers on Sunday morning uh, before church. Then she'd go to church and hear another preacher. Uh, but I was watching one preacher, and he was saying some things, and I, I, uh, I was listening to him. He had like 10,000, 12,000 people in his congregation, just massive coliseum type thing, and he was saying some things, and I, I told my mom, I said, I really wish I could say that, but I can't, because I knew it wasn't true. And she never watched him again. <laughs> but anyway, I just said, I wish I could say that I can't, because people would love me if I said that stuff. I'd have huge crowds of people listening to what I have to say, you know, if I could say it in a way that was creative enough. And... In reality, what would happen is I could say that, but people would despise me when they found out it wasn't true. So the reason I'm encouraging you to dig into these things today is because I know they're true and real. And I, I want you to know the truth about what God says is normal, morally acceptable, and why it's important to live in line with Him. Our life depends on our definition of normal in a very real way. And our definition is picked up by our kids. And it dramatically impacts the next generation who impacts the next generation and on and on. I'd like to wrap up the message today by encouraging you to think through your next steps. Uh, as the band comes up to get ready to lead us in uh, some songs, I'd like to ask you if you would pull out your connection card. It's in your program there, and uh, if you'd take the time to com complete any information that you haven't had a chance to fill out, that'd be great. Uh, there's some next steps that I'm suggesting uh, on this card. You can check those off if you want to make one of those steps, and then drop it in the offering when it comes by. But here are some suggested steps. My, my next step today could be this, to read the key passages from the handout to discover God's definition of normal in these areas. And that's probably going to launch an investigation for you. What does this mean? How does God say this? We would love to help with that investigation. But that could be a next step. Uh, read those key passages. And then, uh, secondly, gain understanding of God's perspective of what's normal. So I can share that with my kids. So if you're a parent, uh, that's, that's a step you could take. I, I want to understand what God says. I want to try to figure out how to communicate that to my kids. So those are two steps that you could take. Maybe God led, uh, laid something else on your heart. Uh, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we find in your word that really tells us what reality is made up of. And I pray that you'd help us, God, each of us, to want to know what you think about life and how to live it. And to... Um, Get our hearts ready to line up with your ways, because know that inside that fence of uh, loving you, 
walking in your ways and keeping your commandments is real joy and blessing. So God, help us to take steps in that direction today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.